Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, generally recorded in the offices of PW. But now we're all uh, uh, kind of spread out on uh, on Skype in remote remote locations. Uh, I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the editor-in-chief of The Beat, which we should note is a subsidiary of Syncopated Comics, a sister division of Lion <laughs> Forge Publishing. So just to be uh, disclosure, That's and for the next while, the graphic novels review editor of Publishers yeah, yeah. Weekly. But you can check us out on Twitter at, <laughs> at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online at PW Comics World. .tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes and on Facebook or at facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. All right, this week on More to Come, Heidi McDonald, The Beat, are acquired. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, I could relay my uh, the lead for my story. <laughs> uh, I could give you that. St. Louis Comics and Graphic Novel Publisher Lions Ford has acquired the Beat, the news blog of comics culture, a pioneering blog focused on comics trade news, founded and directed by longtime PW Graphic Novels review editor Heidi McDonald. But let's go right to the source. Heidi, tell us about uh, Syndicated Comics and the Beat. Well, I will, but there are <laughs> we are going to talk about a few other things tonight, so I'm not entirely right, we will, comfortable but, but, talking about the. But this is what we um, really want to talk. Well, about. Well, yes, and I, I will make <laughs> make clear that um, as with a lot of things, um, you know, I'm NDA'd from talking about the actual um, agreement because that's how people do things. But um, yeah, sure. you know, we have listen the Beat since day one. We were always, I've always been talked to uh, about partnering and acquisition. In fact, one of the very strong partners I had in the early days was uh, Publishers Weekly. Yes, and, yes yeah. you were the first to woo the beat away. I was hosted yes. on Comic-Con.com, and then PW came with a very awesome uh, offer, and uh, which was a great, pretty good partnership. Um for a while. The old, I think it was uh, Bill, what's this, his name? Bill McCormick. Um, McCory, I forget what his oh, name. Yeah, is. Nice guy, guy. McGorry, the former, McGorry. Uh, yeah, the former. Uh, yeah. Uh, and he was kind of the publisher of the book magazine group. Um, yeah. You know, at those days, yeah, because you were, uh, you were hosted by Peter for about three, four years, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah, I have to say, Kevin Breyerman was a huge, uh, huge part of that yes. as well. He was a big, big supporter of the beat. Um, in fact, everyone at PW was a huge supporter of the beat, uh, with one exception which was the uh it department they hated the beat they hated <laughs> they it. were a little odd and as i do recall i yeah. hated them more than i've ever <laughs> okay. hated anyone with a passion just because they were such freaking idiots but anyway and and that's okay. actually what drove me away that's what drove me away from pw is because uh that they when they were selling pw they're like oh we're gonna put you back on wordpress 1.7 which at the time i was on wordpress 2.6 you know wordpress oh, is now at yeah. 3.10 but anyway you saw it's so nerdy <laughs> okay. but i mean why would you put a website at a previous obsolete version of a software and this was a software data company yeah, well, you know, look, the the PW website had a lot had had its own problems. So, yeah. um, well, you know, yeah. since this is Heidi, yeah, so this, listeners, this is Heidi's, this was, this was, yeah, yeah, listeners, this was before 
PW is under its current management. Yes. We are in no way disparaging yes, our absolutely. new and much improved yes, management. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Kate. We were acquired in 2010 by yes. our, our new glorious leader, George Sloan. That's, we have a much better platform. That's right. That's right. But and let's move back to, yes. to the beat. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But I, I, I know, but you know, all of this is really part of the whole story because uh, I had so many, like, like PW was a great partner, but technically uh, at that time owned by Reed Business, they were so bad. And uh, so I took it back myself, and then I uh, owned it myself for quite a while. And then I partnered with Hiveworks, uh, and, uh, which is a web comics publishing company. And they've been finally knew how to run a website that had, uh, you know, surges of traffic. And, um, you know, uh, I guess, I mean, you know, Calvin, you talked to Jeff. <laughs> yes, I did. And Jeff actually probably told you the story that they yes. can, we can talk about. So I, I, yes, I mean, absolutely. So why yeah. don't I talk about Yes, that? why don't you talk yeah. about what Jeff said, and then I can comment yeah. on it. Well, so. actually, I had, a, I had a great conversation with um, with uh, Jeff Jeff Gerber, the uh, um, uh, what's it, the is he the, he's president, the president publisher yes. of he's the, um, he's the, he's the, no, he's he, the uh, excuse me, um, <laughs> he is the uh, president of Lion Forge, and yes. Lion Forge is a, a very interesting a St. Louis based uh, graphic novel and comics publishing house that has been expanding very aggressively uh, over the last two to three years, um, including basically going from a digital first publishing house around 2011 to really aggressively moving to become a full service national publisher. Um, both in the direct trade and in the book trade, right? Uh, the direct market and the book trade. Uh, and I did talk with him. Uh, he talked very much uh, also about the Library of Congress, um, mm -hmm. announcing that they were archiving the beat. Um, uh, and as I understand it, and as he put it to me, um, da uh, Dave, David Stewart II, who is the, the publisher and founder of Lion Forge, right. he has created a separate company that will hold all the assets um, of the beat uh, going forward. And um, they plan to very aggressively, as he said, uh, increase the budget and increase the kinds of coverage and really give you, uh, take over the business management and obviously the IT management uh, of, of the beat to really allow Heidi to do what Heidi does best, which is write and talk about the comics industry and where this industry is going. Right. Well, that's, yes. And that's how I understand it as well. Uh, and, um, you know, I will say this, uh, I mean, Jeff, obviously, uh, I've known Jeff for a couple of years since he became president of Lion Forge and, uh, he is, um, he, he's, he's a very smart guy about the comics industry. I mean, the point of me talking about some of the past is that, uh, you know, I've had lots and lots of talks with people over the years and mm -hmm. I have not resist, I have resisted being acquired. Um, you know, which monetarily, by the way, was very deleterious to me. Okay. Like, it was, you know, unfortunately websites are worth a lot less now, unless they're like a big giant, you know, we're back to the dot-com era. But, um, yeah. but that said, I've never regretted turning down any one of these offers, um, because there was a lot of, uh, misleading or false pretenses or, or they, or they didn't get it, you know, or they didn't yeah. get me, mm -hmm. or they didn't get comics, or they didn't have this, you know, and, and, and mm -hmm. I, there's a lot of people out there who just don't get it. And uh, I, I can't put it any more clearly other than to say that I really appreciate that Jeff and David, both the owner of Lion Forge, they really, 
get what I do because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't want to. So this is I, I, I have been a little egotistical in saying some things, but, you know, they read the beat. <laughs> they read yeah. the beat every day. And um, reason enough. <laughs> yes. And so by doing so, they they have a pretty good appreciation for the kind of stuff we cover and and what I do and what I, I bring to um, you know, commentary and reporting about the comics industry, and they support that. And, you know, I gave up, uh, I shut down my Patreon yesterday, which, you know, I shed a tear, but of course I can't take people's money anymore because I'm, mm. I am a now a full-time employee of Lion Forge, which is why I put the disclaimer at the top. Um, and, but, you know, I, I mean, the people who supported me on my Patreon really believed in what the beat did. And, um, I'm so grateful for that. And, um, you know, he did mention the Library of Congress. I, I mean, the beat is being archived at the Library of Congress, although apparently there's some Wonderful. Web, web hosting problems that we have to clear up. <laughs> some kind of thing that our crawlers have been blocked. But, um, you know, I, and I, I, you know, that's a testament to the caliber of, of collaborators that I've had and, you know, writers over the years. And, and um, yeah, you know, I will say, uh, I mean, it's not that hard to find great, talent out there in the comics world and, and even writing about comics and uh, you know one thing dave seward mentioned in the, the press release was uh, bringing back the spirit of comics alliance uh which is which is funny I, I i wasn't always a fan of comics alliance but i was a huge fan of it when it was run by laura hudson and um calvin and kate might yes. remember yes. laura I don't, I don't know kate of laura yeah. you guys uh, overlapped or not but of course laura, no i didn't she left right before i right. came so well, i think you were, i never really met her yeah. Laura was a, an intern yeah. of us and also eventually a very good, obviously, uh, freelance writer yes, for us as yes. well. Yes, and a brilliant writer. And, of course, she's yes. gone on to write, like, you know, really, really important pieces of journalism. But, but you know, uh, Laura said that I was the first person to hire her to write about comics or actually to write. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm very proud. And of course, Calvin, you right away were right on board because Laura's brilliant. I mean, it doesn't, you oh, know, doesn't, she is, but she yeah, knew immediately. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anybody would have done that, but you know, I'm happy I got yes. to be the first. So, uh, anyway, so I, I know in a little bit of a way, I hope that, you know, like it's still part of, uh, you know, kind of the ribbon of history <laughs> as yeah. they put it and just kind of carrying that on. So, so basically it's, it's, yeah, it's more of this. And, and just, you know, I did bring up, uh, just listeners, just so you know, uh, I am, leaving Publishers Weekly as graphic novels editor, which is a job I've had for 13 years in various forms. And uh, that's also a really tough decision. But I, I just felt it was a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. And um, also, I, I'm going to be full-time on doing a lot of different things with Lion, you know, with Lion Forge. I mean, some, not, not, I'm kind of like sidelight things that, that they're involved in that I'll be able to participate in as the beat. And so, um, I mean, there'll be more to come on that, but, um, you know, I, 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 it was a little bittersweet, but, but yes, I had to give that up, but I will be staying on the podcast indefinitely. So, awesome. yay. Um, yay. Awesome. Well, well, I would miss talking to you guys so much. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I would just like to jump in the saying that, uh, yes, obviously, um, uh, Heidi is going to be leaving Publishers Weekly, but I, I just want to make it clear to everybody within listening distance that, uh, Heidi McDonald, uh, I, I I wanted Heidi McDonald working at PW because she I, you brought immediately brought in my view credibility to Publishers Weekly as a comics uh, um, platform. Uh, you have been instrumental in everything uh, in in helping us to establish comics 
uh, at Publishers Weekly uh, and ultimately through Publishers Weekly in the book trade. Uh, and when uh, you look back from where we started and how comics figured in the book trade and, and other places and where we are now, it's really gratifying. And just, um, you know, Heidi, you've been um, you've been awesome. You've helped us. You've, you've helped the dream that we we all want about <laughs> comics to move in the right direction. You know, Aww, uh, we're, we're at the beginning of it becoming much more than it is. Yeah. So, well, that's so kind of you. I mean, it's yes. it's obviously Calvin and, you know, our Publishers Weekly and, and it's many publishers actually in the 13 years <laughs> has um, definitely given me a platform. And, you know, like you and I were right on target right from the get go of what yeah. we thought and what yeah. we saw. And, you know, let's be honest, 13 years ago, it was a very different industry. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, a, the, a lot of the, the, the what we wanted this industry to be, uh, we're seeing it happen now. Yeah. And I, you know? I, yeah. And I mean, I can't, uh, you know, my cousin Connor is, uh, I guess he's going to be 14. So he's like the same age. And, you know, he's dating now. So uh, I probably shouldn't have said that. I hope Connor's not listening. I know he'd be so embarrassed. But, um, you know, so I mean, 13 years is actually a really long time. But yeah. It's just yeah. past the blink of an eye. Like, like, it just seems like I'm still struggling with some of the issues I had the day I started. And, but, you know, uh, it, it's just flown by. And um, I, I, that said, you know, it's, it's also, um, so this sounds like, you know, I am going to brand things as hype. But, uh, I, you know, we have talked about Lion Forge here before. Yes. And, um, you know, I, I think we've, we've had pretty much been very positive about them. And, uh, you know, not just me, but yeah, oh, yeah. Calvin, especially, actually. I yeah. think that they're a very interesting operation that we're keeping our eye on them. Yes. I mean, what they're doing is really something uh, to keep us keep an eye on. They're, you know, creating a new uh, a book and a comics industry publishing platform. And we haven't we don't really see And, and my, uh, part of my point is that we know that they have the resources to really, really take this on. So it's interesting to see um, uh, how this project will continue to yes. develop and, and they've hired some very qualified people so yeah and I, I i will say that um you know you just hit the nail on the head this company is very well funded and i don't think i'm speaking any secrets out of turn uh to say that uh which is one of the reasons why they were able to uh acquire the beat but uh but what i also like about them is honestly it is they do reflect just all the things that i've talked about you know on this mm -hmm. blog and and it is like you say, Calvin. It's unusual to see a company built from scratch, really, in Thanks. comics. However, they're coming at it as a modern publisher, you know. Yes. And we've seen a yes. lot of people come and go, and you know, our friends at Valiant. I will say, you know, we love our pals at Valiant, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, Dinesh has also got you know like deep pockets that so he can keep that com company running. But it's very much run along the lines of a traditional comics publishing company where they have periodicals, and that's mm -hmm. the primary focus of their publishing effort. Um, you know, Lionforge does have periodicals with the, um, with their, uh, you know, superhero with the universe, catalyst, the, with catalyst, the Catalyst Prime, catalyst line. prime mm -hmm. line. And, however, uh, they have comics for kids. Uh, some really, uh, you know, okay, I, I label this hype. It's hard for me to be enthusiastic about things I don't really like. So I hope that after all this time of the podcast, you will 
you know, give me the benefit of the doubt on this, but they have some really beautiful kids' books, like with some illustration that are great. And, you know, they acquired Magnetic Press a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. also, or last year. And, uh, I mean, they published these amazing, uh, you know, Eisner-nominated European comics. Uh, I mean, there's certainly no dearth of beautiful European comics, uh, but they, they have some of those. And, you know, just, just uh, yesterday, they announced that they were going to be publishing um, No Ivy League by Hazel Dulevent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is kind of like an indie book about, uh, you know, her going to summer camp and learning about white privilege. Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, and, and Hazel is a really interesting cartoonist. Uh, on top of everything else, uh, they hired her, too. She's yes. an associate editor yes. at, at Line Forge yes. now. <laughs> so, yeah, I would, uh, yeah. So, uh, anyway. But what's interesting? What's really interesting, Lion Forge is, as you were saying, they're a modern comics publishing house that is being designed from scratch to be able to function in the book trade as well as in the direct market. Right. And I think that that's something that's really interesting and really kind of sets them apart. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, again, if you've listened to me at all on this podcast, you know that's the kind of um, that's the kind of business model that I, I <clears throat> that I've been advocating for on this podcast for a decade, or you know, however long we've been doing this podcast. Yeah, but anyway, less than a decade. Less than a decade. Um, you've but, been with with PW yeah, for, for longer yeah. than a decade. Yeah, but we have been doing this. How long have we do this? Five years? It's about five years. Six years uh, now. About five years. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. But anyway. All right. So so that yeah. I think it was yeah I think it was 2012. Yeah. yeah. So um, Heidi. Do they have offices in New York? Are you going to telecommute, or are you going to have to move to St. Louis? No, I'm not going to move to that. was off the table. If that had been part of the deal, I would not have done it. Sorry, Dave and Jeff. Uh, no way. I, I like New York. but yeah. um, Well, the company's kind of spread out around yeah. the country. Yeah. There's three cities at least, like yeah. Chicago, and all, St. Louis, and New York. And also, guess oh. what? Modern companies, people telecommute. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So, so I will be continuing to work out of my living room in my pajamas like I have been. <laughs> You have to go outside every now and then. I do. Uh, That's why I want to keep through this podcast. Once every two weeks, I'll take a shower. Uh, Thank God. (laughs) So if if they have New York offices, Heidi, can you give us a tour? Oh, well, yeah, but there are, there's, it's like my house, Kate. You've been to my house. You cats at, didn't you? (laughs) Ah, I see. (laughs) Uh, Well, one thing I will like. There's nothing too fancy about this. One thing I will uh, like to add, uh, uh, one thing Jeff did say, they're going to immediately increase the budget for freelance writers uh, at the beat. Yes. Uh, they're, also going, they're also looking to do video and podcast as well, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, at um, uh, based around the beat. So uh, we're, we're going to see some more, more kinds of media, I think, coming out of the beat. Right. And I will, all right, how's this for a teaser, actually? Uh, I've already been in negotiations for a podcast that will be hosted on the beat. and. Yeah. Uh, it's by two people who we've spoken about many times here and oh, um, okay. uh, on topics of high interest to listeners okay. of this podcast. And uh, so I can't, I won't say any more than that because it's going to be a good. And uh, okay. so, yeah, teaser, teaserville. All right. Um, Are you doing a crossover episode, Heidi? Uh, well, it's not my podcast. So oh, uh, you see. have to, you'll have to. <coughs> Wait and see. Yeah, you're going to have to wait and see. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we just want to congratulate Heidi uh, on the acquisition and um, wish her well. And obviously, she'll be back on the, the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, guys. It, it's, it's, uh, I, I really, uh, I'm really happy to continue doing this because I love talking to you. So great. This is awesome. All right. We're going to move to another issue. Uh, 
Me too. Hashtag Me Too in comics. Um, obviously, uh, the whole country uh, has been riveted by uh, you know the charges against the Weinstein Company. Um, uh, women seem to be standing up in industries across um, the board, uh, challenging um, and exposing uh, the kind of conditions, assaults, uh, not to mention harassment and discrimination. Um, uh, I mean, uh, w- this is something we've been talking about in comics for a long time, and we've been talking about it on this podcast as well. Um, I don't know how I don't have much more to say to it than that, but <laughs> it seems like we needed to fl- we needed to flag this topic at this time. Yeah, well, I mean, we're seeing more and more every day someone is uh, being quite rightfully called on their crap, and um, yeah. you know, people like Mark Halperin at M- was it MSNBC? Yes, I saw it another yeah, today. suddenly yeah. women came out and were like, "Well, this guy's yeah. a harasser," and right yeah. away. Uh, they were like, oh, well, this guy better go on hiatus. And so we're just seeing that happen everywhere. And, you know, I, I, um, I, I wrote a piece about this on the beat um, just to kind of clear the air on how I felt about it. But uh, I, I cut it down. It was originally so much longer than I was like, you know what, nobody wants to hear me go on about. But I will tell this, you know, I used to work, I used to live in L.A. and I worked for The Hollywood Reporter, which was very much in the thick of the Hollywood world. And you know, it was very apparent to me very quickly that this is how things worked and everybody yeah. knew it. And um, that was just what you did. You know, women were very much aware that either you, you know, pay to play, basically. But I remember yeah. specifically this had nothing to do with my job, but I remember I, I would catch the bus at seven in the morning on Santa Monica Boulevard, and uh, which is a little early for for L.A., and um, I remember one morning this black car fell, like stopped by the bus stop and the door opened. And then like this, this woman in a nightie just got shoved out of the car. And then the car sped away and she just stood up and, uh, you know, straightened her clothes and went staggering off into the dawn. And that's pretty much it, you know? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that's when you, that's, that's when, you how... say, when you say pay to play, Heidi... You you mean that people just have to put up with it, right? Well, As opposed that was very to much the attitude, of course. Yes, I mean, and this is you know, I mean, I will say I definitely have more of an old school attitude because you had to, you know, I mean, I joke about it, but I will say I was, you know, trained in the dungeons. Uh, you know, it was a fight for survival in that way. And I mean, listen, I I was, I mean, I, I who knows? I mean, I was also into the rock and roll scene and. You know, this is why when people are, are come to me and say, oh, comics is the worst. I mean, comics has its own issues that are really weird and creepy and awful and terrible. Um, but it's not as it's it's different. It's very different than it is in the entertainment industry, where at least back in the 80s, it was so woven into the, the, mm-hmm. the fabric. You know, if you watch SNL, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Catherine McKenna does that um, does that, uh, you know, that old timey Hollywood actress. And, yeah, I mean that's so accurate. It's not even funny. <laughs> yeah, well, well, just uh, uh, as the uh, the show's uh, um, you know singular male voice uh, for whatever it's worth. I mean, I think one of the things, one of the issues that has that uh, women across all these industries uh, have bringing out is that you know men need to um, uh, address uh, their fellows um, and not put up with it when they know what's going on. Now, you know, I think. Most men grow up in an atmosphere where even if they don't engage in them stuff to themselves, they exist or, or, or kind of um, they're kind of germinated in the atmosphere 
of 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 toxic max masculinity and you know um to men uh, need to to step up and when they know that this is going on when they see it going on you know and when they hear it coming out of their own mouths discrimination and um and stereotyping you know uh, we we, we got to do better we've got to do better too so that's all i can say um but uh, yeah it, it it does seem as though the world is poised for some level of incremental change. Yeah. Well, I do wonder whether or not there's any connection between this kind of, I don't know, economics of consent or economics of putting up with it that makes women embrace the DIY side of comics culture so hard. I mean... Probably so. (laughs) You know, that like if you're your own boss and you're doing it, you know, out of your own home to some degree, maybe you don't have to put up with this crap. And maybe that's part of the appeal of of the DIY culture of of comics where, you know. Yeah, you you don't have to put up with it. I mean, we've talked about in the show, I mean, where the, the, the issue about women in comics it's kind of not an issue in the indie world and in the self-publishing world, yeah. which is where there are plenty of women. Well, yeah, but I'm almost wondering whether, you know, we usually we go at it from just the angle of like, huh, women really like to do it indie. And that's great. Um, but I'm just wondering if if on a certain level, the the freedom and power that comes from being to at least some degree your own boss and also the community of like lots of other women doing it too well, is part I, of the appeal for well, women in comics. I don't think there's any doubt. No doubt, but I will, I'll say this, and I mean this is absolutely not a new topic for me to bring up on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like this. you know, women have been specifically excluded from the mainstream comics industry from the seventies yeah. on. Okay, yes. from nineteen the, from the beginning of the direct sales market was founded as a boys' club, and that no girls were allowed. And that was the message that went through it from the 70s until the manga revolution, which began mm-hmm. to change things. So, I mean, there's yes. no, I mean, and I'm not saying it was, it was covert or subtext. I'm saying it was overt people saying aloud that women yeah. couldn't do comics and didn't read yeah. comics. So, I mean, no mystery why they went to web comics and indie comics is because they weren't welcome in mainstream comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I I I think that's absolutely the case. I, you know, Kate, I don't know if you want to talk about this at all, but I mean, you've had probably, I mean, you said, you know, you said that you found some creepy vibes in comics. Well, I mean, I I was very lucky to never, let's put it this way, be a hundred percent on the receiving end. I've definitely like the. It's more that I've I've heard things from people and I've sort of gotten vibes and stuff. Which you never really know, but I mean, sometimes the when I get that feeling or when I'd hear those stories, I'd go, "Gosh, you know, maybe I, maybe it's I don't feel so bad at the moment for not being like right in the heart of comics culture <laughs> and for being around the edges. Maybe it's not so bad to have a little distance." Um, but I will say that there have been a few moments where. Um, some of the men I've interviewed or attempted to interview for the podcast have maybe come across as not being the best at interacting with women. Uh, I mean, like you're in a public space, a well, like surrounded by like, thousands of other fans. You're right there. You're like 
fully dressed in like completely non-sexualized like office casual attire and you're like hey i'd like to talk to you about your comics and like there's this sort of like sexualized dash dismissive attitude to like your completely flattering question about the comics and you're like that was a strange interaction like it i mean i didn't like this is nothing compared to like people who have had like truly terrible experiences but it just made me feel like what does this say about like the culture and what some of these guys are like if this is their response to like a completely g-rated flattering uh. public interaction with a fully dressed woman <laughs> oh well and i don't mean to chuckle but uh I, but um, it is funny I, in a horrible yes, way it's okay to yeah. laugh I, I mean i think that's what we're talking about this the whole range of negativity from uh, a dismissal ignoring to outright hostility on up to um you know assault in in some cases but um, you this, know, this I, industry yeah. hasn't handled it well. No, and I, look, I want to be clear about one thing here, is that women have way more opportunities in indie comics, but indie comics is far from free, unfortunately, mm -hmm. of sexual assault. And there have been several incidents that have been actually, um, uh, well, you know, she wrote about it on Comics Journal, and Katie Skelly, uh, mm -hmm. who's a wonderful cartoonist of... Um, of course, now I'm forgetting. <laughs> Pretty Deadly. Uh, no, that's not it. It's not the name of her book. All right, I'm forgetting the name of her book. Yeah, I apologize. Terrible. I'm not remembering yeah. either. Night, night, uh, yes. Anyway, Operation Margarine. That was the name of one of her books. That's really great. But And she's a wonderful cartoonist. Anyway, she put up on the Comics Journal a really sad uh, incident that happened to her at a show where she won an award. And, um, you know, so this actually, you know, I don't want to say... Uh, Okay, uh, you know, I could definitely be castigated for this, but I, I will say this. You know, in, in man-woman relations, there was always a potential for something. Or in woman-woman relations or man-man relations. You know, human interaction is fraught with emotion, okay, and, yeah. and, and desire. And that's one of the most wonderful things about being human. So, but people don't understand what consent is about that, you know, and, and this is like you said, Calvin, men need to step up and they need to yeah. understand that being abusive and creepy and horrible and, you know, just, um, degrading to women, you know, degrading. And I, I, there is such it an is element. It is unfortunately part of the conversational culture. Even if, you know, you don't perceive of yourself as a man as being that kind of man, I, I, you know, and I can say for myself, I mean, I wasn't brought up to be like that, but I have been in that atmosphere. Of course. I and, mean, and, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I have. And I haven't always, and I admit, I have not always, you know, separated myself right. from it or, and, or, or challenged it. Yeah, and you know, one thing I said when I wrote my piece is that, especially with Harvey Weinstein, it's like, you know, Kevin Smith, who I didn't know, you know, and Quentin Tarantino was like, well, I didn't know it was that bad. You know, Quentin, your own girlfriend told you what happened, okay? Yep. So how did you, you know, men don't know when they know. They don't know when they know, and that's what they need to know. Part of it is that we, you know, we teach ourselves to not take it seriously. Yes, that's it, exactly. You so, know? Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, that's because, you know, everything we're talking about, um, I have been in that atmosphere. But we're, it's this self generated sense of it's not serious. 
Right. I, I mean, it. I don't know any other way to describe That's it. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can understand that sometimes if you're if you're just sort of on the fringe of it and you get the atmosphere, but you're not there for some of the interactions, it can be hard to tell whether this is just sort of creepy and inappropriate or whether it's crossed into the line of genuinely hurting people. And I think maybe the lesson we're all learning from this is like maybe step in at the creepy and inappropriate level and not like give creepy and inappropriate the benefit of the doubt. Right. You know, how about you just not, if you think it's bad, don't do it. If you think it's questionable or problematic, don't do it. Yeah. But, but I also think that, and I like to hope so anyway, there's, uh, uh, you know, there's a new generation of men. Now, I, I'm not, you know, th- this isn't going across the ball because we're talking about a whole complex level of culture and different kinds of people and different kinds of social social backgrounds. But um, at least on a public uh, civic level, um, I, I mean, I think we're seeing a change to what we're going to consider to be unacceptable Um uh, obviously, the worst aspects of it, but the but the dismissive, uh, stereotypical aspect of it too. Yeah. Well, I yeah. I pray that that is so. Yeah, I so. hope so. Yeah. And anyway, you know, yeah, I, I don't think it necessarily. I mean, I don't judge half of my species based on you know the. 10% who don't understand how to interact with the other half of the species. Um, it's not like, I'm like, man, the hidden menace. Um, <laughs> well, but, it should be. I'm, I, and, I actually do believe men the hidden menace. <laughs> what? Yeah, but I mean, yes. But, there, but, yeah, I, look, but, maybe there's 10%. I, that, oh, go on. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, yeah. Um, But... I mean, and also, you know, you hear some of the scaremongering things from people like, oh, I don't know, Woody Allen, who are like, oh, no, the world will oh, turn, God. you know, humorless, and, and there will be a witch hunt for any man who winks. And it's like, it's it doesn't need to be like that. No one's, like, very few people are saying that. Like, it's really, it's just like, just don't be an abusive dick. Like, it's something I think most normal human beings, if they put a few minutes thought into it, can handle without... Losing all fun or romance from their lives. It doesn't yes, need absolutely. to be a huge burden on you yes. to just think for a second and not be a dick. Well, you know what? Uh, this is, I would love to, I know we've alluded to this on the podcast several times, but we should definitely talk about this in a future podcast because um, I do think you just nailed it, Kate. There's a way to be fun and enjoy um, you know, interactions with other human beings that have a sexual element to them in a fun, consensual way. And I think there's a lot of comics that are talking about that and kind of showing the way. And I think it'd be really interesting to look at some of these newer kind of kind of comics at, at some point because there, there's definitely, a, a, you know, some, some different kinds of storytelling coming. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just want to add one more thing. I mean, what I'm talking about is a mentality that that sees women as inherently f- inferior, even if you're like polite to them mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and gentlemanly and would never like grab them. Um, this is what I'm talking about. This is yeah. this is a male mentality, a male ideology that is quiet and it's in in um, uh, what I want to say. It's uh, it's undercover. It's un it's unconscious in some cases. I'm not trying to indict everybody, but I'm I'm telling oh, yeah. you there is there is a a, a pervasive ideology of female in uh, inferiority 
um, inculcated uh, that, um, you know, you, you, as a man, you, sometimes you got to address it in yourself. And we call yeah. that misogyny and sexism. So, yep, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah. So um, that's and, all. Anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, what you're saying about, like, like, even if you're respectful and polite, um, I have to say that about half the time men who think, well, yes, women are inferior, but I, I am a stealth misogynist <laughs> right, right, and no right. woman shall ever see through my polite exterior. All I have to say is about half the time, you're not as stealthy as you think you are, man. And yeah, women like can kind of get where you're coming from. And then you're like, I don't know why women think I'm a creep. Like I, I am a very polite man to women, this inferior species that you know, just seems to overreact to everything. And it's like, you know, half the time, dude, you're not as subtle as you think. Yeah. So. Well, you know what? We could talk about six (laughs) six hours about this. So, uh, but let's segue. Let's just move on. Yeah, let's just move on. There will always be more to come. Or not always, but. uh, but Speaking of women in comics. Yeah. How about that Iron Circus? Congratulations to Spike Trotman. Hurrah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, I, I know the beat did something on this, but uh, uh, Iron Circus and uh, C. Spike Trotman uh, hit a million dollars in crowdfunding yes. uh, on Kickstarter. Yep. And, yeah. uh, you know, she raised her millionth dollar and, you know, announced it on Twitter. And, um, you know, I actually looked. I mean, they've done maybe 20 projects. I don't know, maybe yeah, more. Yeah, this is across all of her yeah, projects. Yeah, across projects. all of her projects. But, you know, first off, I remember us talking about Kickstarter when it first started, and we were sort of like, oh, I don't know. And I mean, you know, talk about proof of concept. Holy crap. Oh, absolutely. Changing it, this is changing the industry. Mm-hmm. It, yes. Um, and I mean, I, I think it's made Spike's career, frankly. I mean, I, I remember, you know, spotting her at Comic-Con before she had shown up on my radar at all as a comics person and just being like, your comics are really awesome and like buying them. Um, and now she is the head of the, you know, million dollar kickstarting comics extravaganza. Uh, it's, it's really been a pleasure to watch. Yeah. I mean, for, for those who may not know, Iron Circus is, is kind of her publishing entity. It started out as a self-publishing uh, industry uh, that she used to publish her early comics. Um, uh, uh, as she became more adept at crowdfunding, uh, she has now become a, a publisher in her own right of other people's comics. Uh, she was a PW Star Watch um, uh, honoree, one of the early ones in our ongoing uh, um, sort of contest every year to identify, you know, people are doing interesting, innovative things in the business. When we profiled her, she had raised over a, a half a million dollars uh, on Kid Kickstarter <laughs> for a variety of, of comics, anthologies, erotic anthologies. Uh, she uh, yeah, she has also been a figure of co- sort of crowdfunding education. I've been on panels with her um, as she talks about, you know, best practices. So she uh, she's just a force. Um, and, you know, yeah, crowdfunding is uh, obviously it's changing the self-publishing DIY. But these books are also making their way into the conventional publishing um, um, on both comics yeah. and the book trade. And so, you know, more to just, come. You know, we are, yeah, more to come. And, and um, you, you know, we're definitely well into the fifth disruption. You know, yes, the, that, yes, that, yes, that as Milton foretold, described. as prophesied yes. by Milton yes. Grape. Uh, Milton Grape. But, but um, 
you know, and Spike is certainly someone who is riding that wave of disruption on her surfboard, and you know, she's riding the curl, and uh, you know, and also I, I she, um, she's Iron Circus is now carried by uh, Consortium. She's joined yes, the right. Oh, yeah. Publisher, mm-hmm. so yeah. she's getting into that. And you know, I just want to throw in there that her latest Kickstarter was for the Complete Girls with Slingshots, which raised about a quarter of a million dollars. So that yes. you know, significantly. Once boosted. again, I mean, it's insa- it's amazing. Yes, it is, and um, but you know. This is, again, there's so much life outside of Marvel and DC. <laughs> yeah. And yep. I agree, yep. even as someone who quite enjoys many things put out by Marvel and DC. Yes. Yeah. So, anyway, well, congratulations to uh, Spike. Um, so, uh, Kate, Marvel. Oh, Marvel. The Marvel writers. Um, yes. Um, so Marvel has a sort of writers get together every year before New York Comic Con. And um, I think actually might be a creator get together. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on who all is invited, although their writers definitely were. But uh, word has leaked out from the sort of mini summit that one of the things they did is talk about in as flattering a way as possible to Marvel creators about how, you know, you know, comics fans can sometimes be really negative, man. And, and maybe the best way, the best way to handle these haters is just not to give fuel to their fire. Now, this angle is true. One might also see the other angle of it, which is like Marvel comics creators can sometimes be jerks to their fans and it's better not to be jerks to your fans. <laughs> but But you know what? Even if they have to like, take the most flattering angle possible in order to sell the concept of, hey, internet fights, maybe not useful. Chill. Like, that's a really good idea, man. There's a concept. so many times as somebody doing comics journalism, you just watch these internet slap fights and you're like, look, even aside from the content of this conversation, the professional part of me is like, why are you doing this? What is the purpose of what's coming out of your digital mouth? Like, but, like, yeah, but you know, Kate, I, 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 you and I are always, we always have a good, a nice, you know, um, difference of opinion on this. And, <laughs> and, uh, I will say, why do they do it? Cause they're human beings. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and when that- you get dragged, you want to act out and you know what? It doesn't matter whether you're Stephen King or Donald Trump, or, you know, I mean, it's like you, you, when you get dragged, you want to say, but, but really, you know, unless you have like, you know, Teflon skin. So, I mean, that's it. They're insecure humans sitting at home, lonely and interacting on the internet. But that said, it's very bad and it's unprofessional. And I agree. Now, I'm going to jump in here. Oh, go ahead. Because I I also heard some reports on this event that you're talking about. So, but go ahead. So I'll finish. I'm not saying like, and I don't think anyone expects like nobody to like ever answer back at all. It's just that we, what I'm referring to is it devolves. It's not just like uh, criticism and a rebuttal and then you let it go. What happens when people understandably get, you know, into the someone is wrong on the internet mindset is that it can be, be not only really bad for your career, but also bad for yourself emotionally when you get like really dragged into it and you just, I mean, it's not just like criticism and rebuttal, but like you get dragged in and suddenly like ad hominem arguments come in and everything gets out of control. 
control. And suddenly everyone's like, I have heard Bob Smith is a terrible person. Just look at what a jerk he is about this criticism. And it's like, you know, at a certain point, um, it's understandable to get wound up. But the, the smart thing to do is after you've said your piece, just drop it. Move on. Yeah, move on. I mean, I've been to, I, I've been in situations, uh, uh, not even in comics, um, where uh, the, the social media mob can can harass and bully you. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just agreeing with you, Kate. I mean, that sometimes you need to make a statement and then leave it leave it go. Um, though we know that uh, this is a passionate community. Oh um, yeah. Uh, the internet uh, has done a lot to to transform comics by giving fans a, a, a direct say, connecting them with the authors that they um, with the, the creators that they that they like. Uh, although you know sometimes they may find that they don't like them as much as they thought. Um, <laughs> so true. Uh, and vice versa on the creator side. But um, but yeah, I, I, I think obviously if from what I'm hearing you that you know the the, the Marvel uh, sort of brain trust was suggesting authors step back from it's a, a, a bit. That's probably a good well, idea. You know we can what? maybe can give I, the same advice can, to the fans. Can I jump it in? It is. It's good advice I, wait, for anyone I, on the excuse internet. Excuse me. Can I jump in here for a moment? Because sure. I also actually heard reports about what happened at the thing. Yeah, so, good. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. As opposed to, uh, you know, which, uh, you know, my understanding is that this absolutely was brought up. But, you know, I will say that the, you know, prime offenders at Marvel have been reprimanded many times for doing this. This is not a new mm-hmm. thing where they were told, don't, you know, don't be a jerk on the internet. But, um, you know, it didn't impact them. But, you know, this yeah. this summit happened just before New York Comic Con. And, you know, had Marvel had any inkling of how sh- terrible a con they were going to have, I mean, goodness yeah. only knows what they would have talked about at the summit. But the summits you know, did. I mean, there was apparently a whole day that was spent with people really arguing about it, the uses of social media. And um, because, uh, you know, Marvel's PR is so bad right now and the, the bad use of social media, but just a few bad actors. You know, most creators, you know, uh, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey, I mean, they're beloved of the internet hordes mm. and, um, or the internet crowds. And, you know, there's a lot of model creators on there. Yeah, I would, yeah, you know, this is another gigantic meta topic. But, you know, what we're seeing right now is the result of this new phenomenon in human history, which is everybody being on the Internet and everyone having, <laughs> a con- you know, everyone being able to contact everyone else. And guess what? It's got some really good things and it's got some really terrible things. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I mean, like Harvey Weinstein being outed would not have happened without social media, you know, yep. because it gave a voice yep. to these people. However, yeah. it also gave us Donald Trump. So, you know, which are you, you know, there's not, it, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> when Twitter first started, it was like, oh my God, I can, I can interact directly with my favorite author of all times, you know, and now it's like, oh my God, my favorite author of all times is a total, you know, dillweed. And <laughs> or these fans are are awful. Um, you know, you know, I know we're running short of time, so this is like another yeah. huge topic. But but I, I just want to say like that, that on Twitter, you know, speaking of Spike, I mean, she was one of several creators who was talking about Tumblr and they were kind of being like, yeah, yeah Tumblr is dead. And and they were just talking about how a lot of creators have left Tumblr because they felt that they were being harassed on Tumblr. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know any. Kate, you're our Tumblr expert, so I don't. You know, I don't know anything about this. But, but you know, there's there's a lot of confrontation out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I I have very I, I very much enjoy Tumblr, but 
you know, you, it's Tumblr is a very specific space. And part of what it is, is it's a place where there are a lot of very, very passionate young people who are not only fans, but also are like, have just had their first introduction to social justice. And they feel like sometimes being young and enthusiastic, they're very eager to apply it. And not necessary, necessarily looking at themselves in a critical or honest light. And so, you know, they're jerks for great justice. <laughs> jerks, um, for justice. Jerks, jerks for justice. Can we, can we copyright that quick? Like, yes. they're jerksforjustice.com. Quick, quick. I think you hit it right on the hammer. I think you hit it right on the hammer, you know, the hammer right on the head of the nail. And uh, so, jerks for justice. Yeah, part of what makes... Tumblr tolerable for me, and I'll fully admit it, is freely using the block button. Like, my greatest advice to anyone, be it creator or fan, using Tumblr is seriously, the minute you think you can't, like, handle somebody, just hit block. It doesn't hurt them at all, and it means you don't have to deal with their crap. Uh, It doesn't mean the person, you think the person you're blocking is a terrible human being. It means, although they might be, it means that you are not interacting with them well or you don't think you'll interact with them well and they're not part of your ideal interaction. Another thing you may want, creators and and Tumblr users and fans, is something called Tumblr Savior, in which you can enter any myriad of words and any post with that word just not showing up on your computer at all. You don't have to look at it. Yes. I personally have blocked the name of our president, and I have not regretted that life choice at all. I think this is great advice. Yeah, it is. And, you I, know, this is really I, great I advice. I mean, you know, this world is invisible to me. I will say, you know, I'm on Tumblr and I, I tool around on Tumblr, but I have never, and, you know, Kate, you, you always promised to, to give me, you know, like point me to something, uh, some entryway. But you know what? It's better. I'm better off not knowing. I am better off. I, would, I I don't I don't navigate Tumblr very well, and I I need to know more. But I, I, these pointers that you're giving here, Kate, I yes. think are very good yes. because yeah. once so, again, I mean, internet weirdly Tumblr enough, Savior. as it creates problems, it does create solutions uh, or at least partial solutions to these problems. And there are it seems like there's a you know there's an app for that or <laughs> there, there is an app for that. The only problem is it doesn't work on mobile. But like, oh, okay. <laughs> but you, well, you know what? You don't need you don't need Tumblr in your pocket anyway because yeah. it'll it'll distract you on the subway. Tumblr, you know, in my pocket. Tumblr, Tumblr. Well, we are we are running out of time here, so we probably should move along a little bit. Oh yeah. So um, very quickly, um, shall we talk quickly about Comics Art Brooklyn, which is coming up in on uh, November eleventh? You know what? Let's well, well, well just we tell just people that it's it. coming okay. and it's moving. It's moved. Um, they've made the interesting life choice of waiting until two weeks before the convention to inform us all they've moved to a new location. I mean, points to them for having a new location, but why they waited just two weeks ahead, I'm not entirely clear. Yeah, but they, it's going to be at the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. Yes, uh, November 11th. Uh, so, which is a and cool it's only place. one day, and, and yeah. it's a good show. Yeah. So uh, yeah. you know, people so, check so, it out. Even if they're not the best at promoting themselves. Yeah, it is. This? One day, uh, you know, I'll just quickly, uh, guests include Don Bandit, Dog, I don't know them at all, uh, Jules Pfeiffer, Email Ferris, Bill Griffith, Floyd Hughes, Matthew James Wilson, Paul Karasik, John Kelly, Peter Cooper, Miss Lasko Gross, Jane Mai, Mark Newgarden, Richie Pope, Nicole Rudick, Tom Spurgeon, Chris Ware, 
uh, Ron Wimmer. Ah, so yeah, so Mr. Ware. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you know, get great Ware here. I, I, I'm actually reading the Chris Ware monograph right now. Amazing. It's what, what really is that? It. It's a mammoth book. It was in your uh, your your fall preview. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh yes, 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 one. yes, 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 yes. I'm actually I'm actually going to review it uh, for uh, Andy Karina, but mm-hmm. it's really amazing, uh, uh, as most Chris Ware books are. That's so anyway, good. he will be at Cab. All right. Okay, so, so now a couple of briefs, briefly. Briefs, briefly. So DC Comics has gotten around to that momentous date of of action comics number 1000 yes there have been a thousand issues of of action comics or there will have been it's just dc doesn't know how to count um there will be two dc comics 1000 each different from each other both of them called dc action comics 1000 okay um so there will be a 35 dollar hardcover volume which is 168 pages sorry $30 hardcover volume and it will include literary essays from Pulitzer Prize winners and a poster and classic stories and also there will be a $5.99 floppy special uh, written by Peter Tomasi and Dan Jurgens. and um you know, I don't know if, if at least to make this make some kind of sense, they'll include that in the hardcover Action Comics 1000, or if they're just going to have two 1000s because the same number can happen twice. Um, congratulations, DC. Um, the Outhousers had this great headline for it called Reminding Us How Easy It Is to Get Into Comics, DC to Publish Two Versions of Action Comics 1000. So... Speaking of crazy comics things, um, a Georgia man has recently been arrested for breaking and entering into a Target at 1 a.m. He didn't actually steal anything, so I'm not really sure why they're charging this as burglary and not trespassing. But when arrested, he said that he was a ninja. And that he was learning the arts of ninja from the Naruto comic. Okay. Wow. <sighs> Apparently okay. he has he has learned all the kind of stealth one would learn from a gentleman wearing bright orange. Um, but, you know, maybe he'll become a, a better ninja with time. Uh, <laughs> okay. okay. Folks, He's kind of a ninja component. Poop is nitty. Yeah, you know, oh, I, mean, I guess we don't think of this as being something you have to say about comics, but once again, kids, don't try this at home. That would be my advice. All right. And um, Garfield's Jim Davis has been recruited to do a guest spot on an upcoming issue of Squirrel Girl. So there's going to be a zine-themed Squirrel Girl comic where the concept is that Squirrel Girl herself is putting together like a superhero zine with contributions from different people. And one of them is a uh, humorous Silver Surfer and Galacticus story uh, created by Jim Davis in which, um, much like Garfield... 
Galacticus wants to eat everything, and Silver Circle is like, oh, man. <laughs> okay. All right. I look forward to this uh, priceless crossover moment. All right. There you go. But. Well, what a country. <laughs> yes. Uh, but speaking of comics that are not priceless but have a very large price tag indeed, um, Taiwan's government has announced that they are going to spend $33 million in an attempt to jumpstart and uh, create infrastructure for their own manga industry. They, they feel quite earnestly that a manga industry is uh, beneficial to a country's economy and a, a valuable industry. And so they're putting their money where their mouth is. Um, I can, I, my mind boggles at the idea of, of America doing something similar um, more power to Taiwan, and I, I love to see what'll come out of this. Well, you know, I actually met at both San Diego and New York Comic Con with uh, Rex Howe, who is a very well, uh, he runs a very well-known publishing company, a traditional publishing company in Taiwan, and uh, he's actually curious about our, our graphic novel market, and, you know, like he's actually published graphic novels in Taiwan, and China does have, a, a, you know, a comics industry, they have their own kind of version of manhwa, uh, they have them in Taiwan mm -hmm. as well, so you know what, uh, but the time is now, <laughs> if yeah, not well, now, when? There you go, all right. There is never a bad time to create comics. There you go. Yes, and you know what, that it should be our motto from now on. All right. And on that note, there will be... More to come.